Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. The NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs are upon us right now. And the whole world is buzzing about that because there is no football season. It's dead season right now. We're all waiting for these trades to materialize. We're waiting for Julio Jones. There's a standoff between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We'll see if that gets resolved. We'll we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson and Houston. But let's start with the NHL playoffs before we get to some draft stuff. The Avs, Ed. I mean, Denver is buzzing right now. People are excited. I mean, this team has a chance to get into the the finals, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, they have a tough opponent. I mean, the fact that they are, you know, sort of at the final four and they're playing the Golden Knights. I mean, I think this this would probably be the toughest challenge other than maybe, you know, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the next round is much easier if they can get past the Golden Knights. Obviously, the Knights have had a good season, but I love the Avs' offensive capabilities. And we talked about it off the air. The Avs won in overtime. They they took a 2 to nothing lead. And just, I think... The young nucleus has finally come together. It took some time, and I'm excited for the city of the city of Denver. I'm excited for the state of Colorado because back in the day, in the 1990s, the Colorado Avalanche were the talk of the hockey world because they had Joe Sackick, they had Alex Tangay, when they had Mark Crawford, when they had you know, Bob Hartley, and they won a couple of championships, and they always fought against the Detroit Red Wings in the 1990s in the conference finals, and that just, it's good to see them get back to that level. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a town that really, I mean, they've had the Broncos, um, the Rockies have never really been much of anything. I mean, especially is the fact that they traded Nolan Arenado. I mean, if you're a baseball fan in Colorado, I mean, you can't help but feel bad for that team. You know, the Nuggets, the Nuggets have been good lately, but this is their best chance at getting another championship other than, you know, the Broncos having Peyton Manning. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I felt like the Lightning were going to win it back to back again. And it looks like Nikita Kucherov is on fire in the playoffs. I mean, he's been, they've played eight games. He has three goals, nine assists, 12 total points. He certainly brings a different dimension to this team, gives them a little more firepower. And they they have a couple of players that can really change the game. And that's Stamkos and Kucherov and, you know, Sergachev. And they just, they have so much firepower. And then I, I think they've got the best goalie in all the land. And, in Vasilevsky. So uh, I think the Lightning are going to be, they're going to be a tough out, and I just think they're going to win. Yeah, all of a sudden, like uh, like that, the Tampa Bay is uh, turned into the city of champions. <laughs> Basically, the, the Bucks, you know, acquiring Tom Brady and a loaded team, and, you know, they've got the hockey team now, and, um, you know, even, even the Rays have been competitive the last few years, and, you know, have been going to the playoffs and so forth. So, I mean, you know, it's a good time to be a Tampa Bay fan. Tampa is turning into a sports town. All right, let's uh, move on to the draft. We'll continuing to recap the divisions, and this is going to be the final show when we do so. And we will start with the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys 
They had the 10th overall pick in the draft, but they didn't stay put. The cornerbacks weren't available, so they decided to trade back to the 12th selection, and they selected a very talented and athletic linebacker out of Penn State in Michael Parsons. You know, now that he, he really only went 12, the, this pick makes a lot more sense. I, you know, when he was being mocked as like a top 7, top 8 pick, um, I felt like he was, you know, very much overrated. But, I mean, taking him at 12 with the athletic traits that he has, you know, now the Dallas Cowboys have a, have a linebacking core. You just take athlete for athlete. You know, they're, they're the best in the league, but they're, they're, not, they're not playing to the level. So that linebacker's coach is better better figure it out because you know what <laughs> he's got the talent he's just got to he's just got to learn how to use him. Yeah, last year Jalen Smith who was supposed to be the the star of this defense had a terrible year in a new defense and this year they're changing up the defense again, the scheme. So hopefully he's going to be able to bounce back, but he got the big contract and then he basically disappeared and and Leighton Vanderesh who is one of my favorite names in the entire NFL. He missed 13 games over the past two years. So he's been injury prone. He hasn't been on the field. And Sean Lee retired. I hope Parsons is going to be able to live up to the billing and become the leader of this linebacking core. But because the Dallas Cowboys really need it. I mean, they finished 28th in scoring defense last year. It couldn't get any worse. In the second round... They went with a Kentucky cornerback, Kelvin Joseph. He was only a redshirt sophomore. He transferred from LSU, had a big year. You and I talked to Angelo Carriero, who covers the Kentucky Wildcats. He was talking him up a little bit, and I thought Joseph was going to go in the top 100. Well, he went in the early second round. Alex, I, I have to be honest, though, and you know I do like the Kentucky Wildcats, and I do like Angelo, but, I mean, to take this guy, you know, where he is in the second round, I, I thought it was I thought it was a bit of a reach. A lot of people turned on the film against Alabama, and he had a really good game. I mean, he didn't back down at all, and I thought he was the only cornerback last season that was able to slow down Devontae Smith. I'm not going to say shut him down, but slow down. And I haven't seen any other cornerback who was able to do it last year. Kelvin Joseph was able to do it to a T. From that standpoint, I think it raised his profile just because he played big in the big games. In the beginning of the season, he was nowhere he was nowhere to be found. But then the last three or four games of the season before he opted out, he came on. I just think people got excited. And the Dallas Cowboys, once again, went with the athletic guy who's tall. He's got long arms. He's got the size. And again, they're betting on those athletic traits, just like they're betting with, with Michael Parsons. In the third round, they had three overall picks. Adigi Zua, defensive lineman out of UCLA. Another defensive end, Chauncey Golston uh, from Iowa. And then they went with the, another tall corner, and I mean tall. I mean, this guy's like 6'3 or 6'4, Nashawn Wright out of Oregon State. Do you like any of those picks? Well, here's what I'll say about a, a Ding Zua. I like the tape. I, I like the potential. The only thing is, is I think he, he fits better in kind of a 3-4 scheme. I think you make him kind of that defensive end and then, you know, bring him to the interior. But, you know, they're asking him to kind of be a two-gap defensive lineman in the Cowboys scheme. And I think I, I think when you put it 
that way. I, I don't I don't think this is the right scheme for him. On day three, the, the Dallas Cowboys continue to address the defensive side of the ball. They went with the linebacker in the fourth round and Jabril Cox. Uh, they went with South Carolina cornerback Israel Mukamua, who you like, actually. I mean, you there were times that you actually said that you liked his film a little bit more than J.C. Horn. So l- let's hear it right here. Another tall cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I do like I do like that pick, and I do like some of these picks on day three. Um, Jabril Cox, I mean, when you make him a fourth round pick, what you can really do with him is make him a role player, which is exactly how how he's useful. I mean, you know, he's not going to be your everyday down guy like Micah Parsons or Leighton Vander Esch, but you know, in fact, when when you got the three athletes, and then you take one of them off the field. And you bring in Jabril Cox to you know cover that tight end in the red zone. That can make for a very potentially good uh, linebacking core. And so I really like that pick right there in the fourth round. Um, I don't know if maybe you know the Cowboys are the best landing spot for him. It's a good pick for the Cowboys, and uh, you know people are always happy to go to a, a you know an America's team. I mean a- another guy I want to talk about. We talk about you know Mukamu. I liked his tape. I thought he was a good corner. Um, you know, especially you only give up a six for him. Uh, Quentin Bohanna, he's not my favorite prospect, but he does have a really good swim move. That is a way he can win. You know, you can kind of put some more things together with him. Um, I think that could be an interesting pick. Let's uh, move on from the Dallas Cowboys and go to the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that had the 12th overall pick after they traded back with the Miami Dolphins a while back. But they didn't stay put. They obviously wanted a particular player at 10. And this rarely happens when the the rivals in the same division, the Cowboys and the Eagles, they swan a trade. The Eagles moved up to number 10, and they selected the Heisman winner out of Alabama, Devontae Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Eagles needed this for their, their their receiving core. I mean, they I mean, when you kind of look at the names and the numbers and so forth, you know, on that offense, I mean, is Devonta Smith, I mean, is he kind of the centerpiece of that offense? I mean, when you think about, you know, Jalen Hurts as the quarterback and, you know, you really think about it as like, you know, he's with his Alabama teammate. I mean, Devonta Smith is now the centerpiece of the Eagles offense. They obviously think very highly of him, and he becomes their slot receiver. It's interesting that the Eagles went for a wide receiver back-to-back because Jalen Rieger was their first-round pick last year, who they selected before Justin Jefferson. That was the the famous pick. And then uh, Smith, in 2021, becomes another wide receiver. So that just that tells you that the Eagles were unsatisfied with that group. And we'll see if they'll have the magic, Jalen Hurts, and and Devontae Smith in the pros like they had at at Alabama before Hurts moved on to Oklahoma. In the second round, they selected another Alabama player. It's not a bad way to go. Center, Landon Dickerson. You know, I I brought this up before, but I mean, if he's turning handsprings, you know, you might as well pull the trigger on him. I mean, I would have gone Creed Humphrey, who went just a little bit after, but if he's healthy... Um, can be a very good center. We know the Eagles love the trenches. Um, they love to win in the trenches. That's a big. That's a big thing for them. That was the only offensive lineman that they selected in the entire draft. I thought that they were gonna 
go there a couple of more times. In the third round, they went with defensive lineman Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. In the fourth round, McPherson, cornerback out of Texas Tech, who made a lot of plays during his senior year. In the fifth round, this was an interesting pick. Uh, a guy that opted out and only played for one season in Memphis, another running back, Kenneth Gainwell, and he's certainly going to help them in the passing game. Yeah, Kenneth Gainwell has kind of a sad story about how you know he lost a lot of family members to COVID. I think that's my favorite pick of the three. I mean, I know he was the fifth-round pick, whereas Milton Williams was the third-round pick, but he's immediately kind of a part of your your arsenal. He might be a little bit more of a bigger back than Miles Sanders. You know, you can mix him in. And so, yeah, I, I love this pick, actually. I know it's the fifth round pick, but I think that's what you do with running backs. You get you get guys who can help you, um, you know, be a part of it. And um, so I actually respect the fifth round pick of Kenneth Gainwell the most. Did you like any other picks? I mean, they went with Teron Jackson, yeah, defensive you, end out of Coastal. You know me too well. I really like Teron Jackson. And if, if he was a third round pick... Alex, I would defend it. I would defend it. I really like his tape. And, you know, he was a big part of that Coastal Carolina team. They're not a big conference team, but he really showed that he could be a pass rusher and so forth. And, um, you know, the really the only risk is that he didn't come from a Power 5 conference. There's one pick that really stuck out to me in the seventh round, Patrick Johnson out of Tulane. Mm-hmm. He was a Leo now, in Tulane, he's going to play, you know, outside linebacker for them. I just think that this guy has a really good motor, plays hard, has the ability to chase. Great motor. That That's the type of guy that you should get, like, in the sixth or the seventh round. So I would defend the Patrick Johnson pick because I thought that was a steal in the seventh round. He's definitely going to make the team. The New York Giants, I'm almost convinced that before the Eagles traded up to 10, that the Giants were targeting Devontae Smith with that 11th pick. They needed a slot receiver. They needed somebody who's going to be able to change the game. Dave Gettleman obviously did something he's never done before. He traded back in the first round, and he reached, as far as I'm concerned, for Florida wide receiver Kadarius Toney. Yeah, I, I, li- I like Kadarius Tony, but I, I think you, you make him more of a second-round pick. I mean, you know, the fact that he can help you in the return game, I mean, you can get that in later rounds. Uh, you know, he helps you. He, he, he makes your offense more dynamic. Yeah, I just I would have waited on that pick, but they did redeem themselves in the second round. Well, it seems like the Giants are doing everything in their power to make Daniel Jones succeed in his third year because they signed Kenny Galladay, to a big free agent deal. They have Darius Slayton. They have Sterling Shepard. They have Evan Ingram. And hopefully one of those guys is going to be able to live up and, and finally become the player that they expected them to become. Now they get Kadarius Tony, So obviously it's huge. Hopefully Daniel Jones is going to be able to rediscover what he showed as a rookie. In the second round, like you mentioned before, Georgia edge rusher. He's going to play outside linebacker for them. Aziz Ajulari fell because of injury concerns, apparently, because, I mean, this guy would have been a first-round pick, and they even talked about it in the broadcast. Ajulari was definitely a steal in the second round. Yeah, I love this pick, and, uh, you know, I I think this division really went linebacker heavy, and, you know, he's got good tape. He's, you know, he was a great producer in college, uh, great college linebacker. Uh, at Georgia so I I like this pick in the second round for sure 
Well, you can never have too many capable cornerbacks in the league. The Giants in the third round went with UCF cornerback uh, Aaron Robinson. Then in the fourth round, I like this pick, Ellerson Smith, edge rusher from Northern Iowa. I just think he brings a lot of dimensions. He's very athletic. He's got long arms. He can get after the quarterback. He's very disruptive. So we'll see if both Ajulari and Ellerson Smith turn out to be you know, a great duo in the linebacking department. Did you like any of the picks on day three? My favorite one was Ellerson Smith, for sure. Rodarius Williams. I mean, I, I defend the pick in the sixth round. I'm not, like, overly excited about it. I, I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd say Ellerson Smith, uh, Northern Iowa. Washington football team, and it's time for the football team to get a nickname. Right. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. Why are they taking their sweet time you know, ask the fans, let them vote for it. Come on, Daniel Snyder. I mean, Washington is, they made the playoffs last year. Why do we have to call them a Washington football team? What is this? I mean, are we back in the 1920s somewhere? We're in the 21st century, for God's sake. And in the first round, Washington team, they went with Jamin Davis. And again, we're dropping his name, but I'm sure Angelo Carriero was smiling somewhere when he was watching the draft because Kentucky linebacker went in the first round. Yeah, I'm not huge on this pick. I didn't really understand it at 19. Could you kind of give me some insight of why you think he went number 19? Well, I think he's an off-ball linebacker with good length and good range. And, And I think a lot of people got excited because last year, he really showed good coverage ability. And you know, if a linebacker can do a number of things, especially... In coverage, if he can cover tight ends and slot receivers, he's got that speed, and he's got long arms, and he's got athleticism. So people just jumped on it. I mean, they got excited. I'm not saying I'm defending this pick. I think it's a reach, but I'm just trying to make sense of why he went as high as he did. I just think a lot of people nowadays look at linebackers like Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons and and Jamin Davis they look at them and they bring speed and they bring range and you know they bring coverage ability and that gets people excited even if they're not a finished product today. So Washington is just betting on the future. But I'm sure you like the second round pick, Ed. Samuel Cosme, left tackle from Texas. Yeah, and I would have defended this pick in the first round. I mean, uh, you know, athletic traits, tape, you know, was the left tackle for the Texas Longhorns, you know, with Sam Ellinger's blindside protector i mean I, I i love this pick for the washington football team and you know what this team can win in the trenches in the third round they went with the cornerback out of minnesota who actually played at michigan earlier and then he transferred to the gophers benjamin st juiced he's from canada and then i like this wide receiver from unc diami brown i think is a very underrated guy not as polished as I would like a wide receiver to be. But I just think he's got a lot of, again, athletic traits. He's a deep threat. He's got good speed. And he showed at UNC that he can stretch the field. So I'm a big Diami Brown fan. How about you? Did you like any of the picks on day three for Washington? I do want to say that I noticed that you had Diami Brown, I think, as a third-round value uh, on your board. And I, I, I respect the fact that you know, he was then taken in the third round. William Bradley King is a guy with heavy hands. You know, when you take that in the seventh round, 
You know, he. I mean, I granted he's a linebacker, but that's kind of a pick that I, I keep an eye on. A guy who can win with the hand fighting. Um, I feel like a lot of football can really come down to that. I mean, it's not something that, you know, an NBC broadcast is going to show or a CBS broadcast is going to show a lot, but it is a factor in a football game. I expected you to say that you like the Derek uh, Forrest pick, the, the safety out of Cincinnati. I did like him, but, you know, with safeties, you just never know. I mean, unless it's Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, how, how do you really know, you know? Yeah, you never know with safeties and cornerbacks, certainly not an, an easy position to scout. AFC East division, let's start with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins did some wheeling and dealing before the draft with the Eagles. And with the sixth overall pick, I would say it's a bit of a shocker, to be honest with you. I realized that Jamar Chase went to the Bengals at five, but obviously the Dolphins needed to get some more weapons for Tua. They went with Jalen Waddle, the speedy wide receiver who can help you in the return game as well. I probably would have went Devonta Smith at number six, but to be totally honest with you, I have no problem taking Jalen Waddle number six. I really don't. You know, he's a very dynamic slot receiver. You know, there's a familiarity there with Tua Tungviola. I defend taking him at number six, and you know, it seems like he's recovered and he played in you know some of those late national championship playoff games so yeah good for the Dolphins for getting them well the Jaguars agree with you Ed because there was a story out there about a week ago that's being floated out there on Twitter that somebody took a picture of the Jacksonville Jaguars draft board and they had Trevor Lawrence grade they had an eight for Trevor Lawrence that was fairly high and they also had the same grade eight for Jalen Waddle. So basically that tells me, and the board kind of showed this, that they had the same grade with Jalen Waddell and Trevor Lawrence, and there was no one, no in-between. So Urban Meyer and the front office and you know all those scouts, they obviously felt very highly with Jalen Waddell. That's the reason why he went in the top 10, because he can change the game. He's got that elusiveness. He's got that field vision. He's got that breakaway speed, almost like Tyreek Hill. I mean... You don't have to catch a lot of passes. You can catch three or four passes, but if you go for like 150 yards and two touchdowns, it definitely changes the dynamic of that Miami Dolphins offense. Another first-round pick that the Dolphins had, and they didn't have to go far because they took a Miami Hurricanes uh, defensive end edge rusher, Jalen Phillips, with the 18th overall pick. I also like this pick. I mean, I really like his first step, Alex. And, you know, that that can matter in a football game. It helps you as a pass rusher. I mean, you can kind of teach everything else. But, I mean, a first step is a first step. I'm going to go with yes, a yes on the Jalen Phillips pick. Javon Holland goes in the second round of safety out of Oregon, a versatile safety out of Oregon. And then you and I like this player a lot. Notre Dame, offensive tackle, offensive guard, whatever you want to call him, Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. Yeah, and I think he's going to actually kick inside for the Miami Dolphins. But to be honest with you, I, I think he can be he can be on the outside. And you know what? If the left tackle position, I mean, I like the guy they drafted in the left tackle, but he didn't have a great year. You know what? If you need to put him in left tackle, I think you can with Liam Eikenberg. And as much as I like him, I, I just think he's going to struggle there at left tackle. But you know, for them... Tua is left-handed, so maybe Liam Eikenberg can't play left tackle because in a regular offense, that would be the right tackle because for them, 
the right tackle is more important because Tua is left-handed. So so maybe Eichenberg does become a left tackle here, but it's only by default because the right tackle is the most important one, the blindside protector for Tua. In the third round, I know you like this pick as well, Boston College tight end, Hunter Long. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I, I think his release off the line is very good for a tight end. You know, there were, there were some good tight ends in this group, and Hunter Long is one of the tight ends that I like in this group. Uh, you know, maybe not the best blocker, but, you know, who's looking for the best blocker anyway these days? In the seventh round, they selected an offensive tackle that you and I interviewed on the podcast, Larnell Coleman, who went to UMass, and then they finished the draft with the running back, Jared Dokes, out of Cincinnati. You know, it sounds like, Ed, that you would give the Miami Dolphins an A because you praised... Most of their picks. Yeah, I gave them an A minus. That was the grade that I have written down. I don't love the Javon Holland pick, but um, everything else, everything else looks great for them. That means Javon Holland is going to become a star, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Praising certain safeties, and you hate uncertain safeties, and you mentioned safeties are a hard position to scout, and it is true. I will second that. If there's a Belichick tree guy. You know that I'm 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 kind of putting my my chips behind Brian Flores. I I like what he's done the last two years for the Miami Dolphins. God, I hope Tua works out because the Dolphins are going to be kicking themselves for not taking Justin Herbert over Tua. That's going to drive them nuts. Can you imagine that? I mean, if the defense is going to be really really good and then the quarterback is going to be average, and can you imagine like? playing with an average quarterback in the playoffs. I can see the Miami Dolphins getting there. Like, they have enough weapons, you know, they get a running game, and but they don't have the quarterback. And I just hope for Brian Flores' sake, if he wants to win a Super Bowl or two, I hope too what works out for them, because a lot of it is going to depend on that. Speaking of the Patriots, the Brian Flores' former team, Bill Belichick, said that the Patriots era was over that's it you know we we saw how Bill Belichick wasn't able to to win without Tom Brady well he stayed put at 15 and he got the Alabama quarterback Mac Jones who looks like the the second coming of Tom Brady yeah I mean I I remember you know they were talking about his pro day and Bill Belichick was scoffing at Mac Jones every time he threw a bad pass and uh, you know, Bill Belichick is always playing chess, and it just felt like familiar times to see Mac Jones fall to the New England Patriots. I mean, they just they seem to have the chess game, you know, always played out, even even in the draft in some ways. So I, I give them a lot of respect for landing Mac Jones. He's perfect for that system. Josh McDaniel is going to make it work for him, and uh, yeah, good for Mac Jones too. Well, in the second round, the Patriots went with another Alabama defensive tackle. I guess, you know, having that connection to Alabama and Nick Saban, you you get a lot of insight. They got Christian Barmore. And then in the third round, they went with the defensive end out of Oklahoma and Ronnie Perkins. And then in the fourth round, they took another Oklahoma Sooners player, Ramondre Stevenson. You like any of these picks? Well, Barmore, I mean, you know, He's kind of your uh, kind of your athlete who you coach him right and you know he he, he succeeds. So I, I actually think he succeeds in that Patriots system. And you know how the Patriots love to uh, you know 
basically win in the trenches. I mean, it's like they they got the trenches figured out, and then they you know they they have all the players in the right place, and that's how that's how the Patriots come back. So you know, I, I think right there the Patriots are back in the playoff picture. Ramondre Stevenson, you know what he is? He's he's their power back. He's their Legarrette Blount. He's their you know, he's their big bruising back. And you know the Patriots need to have one of those on their roster to make their offense work. So that pick makes a lot of sense. Did you like any other picks? I know, I know you like Ronnie per- Perkins. Uh, day three, Cameron McGrone. He's a guy who shows some potential on tape. Uh, he's still a raw player. But, um, you know, if you can coach him right, I, th- I think he, he can be a nice find at linebacker. Cameron McGrone, linebacker from Michigan. He was the fifth round pick. The New York Jets. They certainly have had a plan the last couple of years, ever since Joe Douglas hopped on and became the GM. They finally got rid of Adam Gase. They got a real coach in there, Robert Sala. I'm glad for that. They're giving their fan base some hope by selecting another quarterback. This is like Sam Darnold all over again. But again, they're building a team around Zach Wilson with the second overall pick. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson was their pick, and he was your number one quarterback, Ed. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, Jets culture sounds different. I mean, I think it was like 80% of the team showed up for OTAs. I mean, especially when, uh, you know, the league was saying you don't have to go because of COVID. Um, I totally respect, you know, what Zach Wilson's doing. He's got he's got some family from New York, and I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's a big market in New York, and a few years into this, uh, a few Giants fans start wearing green. I don't think that's happening, but I hope the kid from Utah becomes, you know, the next Broadway Joe, and, and fans get excited because, I mean, the Jets have been down for so long, like the Browns and certainly they're getting some hope with the second first round pick in this draft the jets they didn't waste time they decided to trade up in order to get their offensive lineman and they selected an offensive guard in this case elijah vera tucker out of usc yeah he's gonna kick inside but i think he can play that right tackle position you know the jets are doing all the right things um you know especially I, I like getting a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, to build up your offensive line. At least, uh, you know, build something for Zach Wilson. I mean, he's he's really kind of, you know, he, he's coming to a very raw team, you know, a team that really has struggled in years past. And, I, I mean, I think that was one of the failures of Sam Darnold was that you didn't get him the offensive line right away. And I think the Jets are making some moves the right way. In the second round, Joe Douglas did not waste time. He decided to get another weapon for Zach Wilson. He uh, drafted a slot wide receiver out of Old Miss, Elijah Moore, who made himself a lot of money in Lane Kiffin's offense. And at times, he just looked unstoppable against SEC opponents. And we're talking about Alabama. We're talking about LSU. I mean, this guy was just, he caught everything on film. Uh, did you like any of the picks on, on day three for the Jets? I mean, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They had seven picks on day three. You know, none of them really excited me that much, to be totally honest. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd say Hamza Nasruddin. No, I, I'm a lot more excited about the top end of the Jets draft than the bottom end. I like the Michael Carter pick, uh, the running back out of UNC. I've been hyping him up, and I just think he's going to be a big-time chess piece for them. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's going to help them in the run game. He's going to help them in the passing game. It's just going to be an extra weapon 
for Zach Wilson coming out of the backfield. And this guy has excellent uh, hands. He can also help you. In, in I, I echo that. I, I like Michael Carter a lot. Um, I almost considered him a day two pick. But yeah, he I guess he is technically a day three pick. Um, uh, yeah, Michael Carter is like the perfect third down back. Douglas has a plan. His plan is to build up the offensive line and surround Zach Wilson with more weapons. Sam Darnold never had that. Zach Wilson has the luxury uh, of having a competent front office. Slowly but surely, they're building something. It's time to get excited in the Jets Nation. Last team on the agenda, and this team is going to compete for the Super Bowl this year. It's the Buffalo Bills. You know, with Josh Allen, as much as it pains me to say it, but Josh Allen is an up-and-coming star, the quarterback of the future. He certainly took a huge step forward in year three, was an MVP type of candidate this year, and certainly couldn't go wrong. Aaron Rodgers won it, but Josh Allen also it was in the conversation. First round, and they had a late first round pick. It was the 30th overall pick. They went with Gregory Rousseau, defensive end from Miami. Yeah, and this is a guy who was mocked in the top five many times by many analysts. But the fact that he fell to 30 and where they took him, I I actually think this is a good value pick. Um, I didn't think this was going to be a good value pick with Gregory Rousseau. But uh, yeah, I I like what they've done, you know, on the defensive line. And they continued that theme. They went with Carlos Basham Jr., defensive lineman out of Wake Forest. This guy has the, the ability to play outside or he could kick inside as a defensive tackle it seemed and same thing with Gregory Rousseau by the way both players can line up as defensive ends or they can kick inside to to defensive tackles so versatility is the name of the game for the Buffalo Bills here I ultimately think that Carlos Basham will probably play more on the inside I I do think he might be a little bit undersized for a two-gap, and that's kind of why I'm a little confused by his landing spot. Ed Oliver's kind of a guy you stick with through thick and thin just because of what he showed as a prospect. The other spot opposite him, I mean, you got to give Carlos Basham a shot to win that job. In the third round, a hot rising name, right tackle out of northern Iowa, Spencer Brown was the pick. Did you like any of the picks on day three? I'm sure you like the the pit safety, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought the one actually that interests me the most is uh, Marquez Stevenson. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, like some people were mocking like third round. You know, this is a guy who I think showed some good things on tape. He was a senior bowl guy. Um, The fact that he lasted till the sixth round. uh, Marquez Stevenson, I like that pick. It sounds like the AFC East in general, you like their draft. I mean, the Patriots walking away with Mac Jones and getting a couple of, you know, possibly some defensive linemen with upside on day two. And then you obviously mentioned that you loved the Miami Dolphins draft. You gave them an A minus and you praised the Jets as well. The AFC East teams in general had successful drafts. They really did. And I mean, you know, that's going to be a good division, you know, going forward. I mean, you know, you got the Buffalo Bills, you got the New England Patriots, you got the Dolphins who are coming back, you got the Jets who have Zach Wilson. This is not just going to be like the the Patriots just kind of roll in, you know, win the division every time. I mean, this is this is going to be a competitive division. But the Buffalo Bills are the favorites in this division. Yes, I mean, with Josh Allen is probably a top three, top five quarterback in this league. He's a young quarterback. He's going to get a monster contract when he's a free agent. 
Uh, he still hasn't hit. He's still on that rookie contract. There's a lot going good for the Buffalo Bills right now, and they are the favorite to win the division. Ouch. When when I hear words like that, right, from you, Ed, it just pains me. You know, like Josh Allen, top three, top five quarterback. It's just like I'm shaking my head here. I know nobody can see it because I don't have a Zoom on me, but I'm just like I'm, I'm shaking my head. I, I can't comprehend that no i mean he really is he really is i mean he can run he can throw the ball far he i mean there's there's so much you can do with him i mean you can build the offense around him and really to be honest with you they built up their defensive line they look a little bit like the chiefs i mean they're kind of going to win in the kind of in the way that the chiefs are going to win so i think the buffalo bills are set up for a lot of years to give josh allen praise from me and ed shows that we're strong people, strong men, because obviously during the draft process, we bashed Josh Allen. We couldn't understand it, why he was drafted in the top 10, why the Buffalo Bills traded up to get him. Well, the Buffalo Bills knew better. They certainly saw something in him, and they developed him, and he has turned out to be a a very good quarterback in this league with a lot of upside. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Take care, everyone.